Blog Talk Radio. Do something you're very passionate about. And don't try to chase what is kind of the hot passion of the day. People say you, you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. And it's totally true. And the reason is, uh, is because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. And you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, if you're not having fun doing it, you don't really love it, uh, you're going to give up. So just go and do it. Try. Learn from it. You, you know, you'll fail at some things. That's a learning experience that you need so that you can take that on to the next experience. Um, and don't let people who you may respect uh, and who you believe know what they're talking about, don't let them tell you it can't be done. Because often they will tell you it can't be done, and uh, it's just because they don't have the courage to try it. I think people that look for great ideas to make money uh, you know, aren't nearly as, as successful as those who say, okay, what do I really love to do? What am I excited about? What do I know something about? You know, what's kind of interesting and compelling? It's uh, very rewarding when you work on something you think is going to make a big difference. And, uh, yeah, it's a little bit harder, but I think, uh, I think the passion that one might bring with it uh, brings so much more energy to that that you're more likely to succeed. You have to have an emotional investment in what you're doing. If you don't love what you're doing, um, failure is pretty much guaranteed. Success is not guaranteed by any means, but failure is much more likely if you don't love what you're doing. If you know exactly what you want to be, you need to spend as much time with people that are actually that already. You know, one of the things that I do is I question a lot of things. Um, and you can do that in a good way and a bad way, but hopefully if you try to get people to motivate why they're doing something and their way of thinking, you know, the worst thing you can end up with is a situation where um, you get told, well, this is the way it's always been. Mm -hmm. That's the worst ever. That's a non-answer. Instead, ask yourself, you know, given everything we have today, is there a way we can make this better? And so when we're coming up with ideas, you know, we always ask ourselves, um, what kind of new market is this creating? And then also, what, what part of my day and, and what problem is it solving? And so I've gone as far as taking an entire catalog of my day from the moment I, like, open my eyes and writing down every single thing I do and then asking myself, like, is there something here? If you're not coming up with 10 ideas a day, that's why I have this thing. If I'm not coming up, if I'm not filling up this page every single day, then my idea muscle will atrophy. And I started this in 2001, and I still do it every single day. Like, you have to come up with ideas every single day, or the idea muscle atrophies. The good news is, after about six months of doing that, you're like a machine. Like, people get surprised at how many ideas you could just have anywhere. But understand that naturally nobody is interested in your idea. The world could care less, and you have to persuade them, and you have to show that you're the one person out there that can do it. When it comes to changing the world, what I learned from Steve Jobs is, if you believe in a Macintosh, if you believe in iPhone, iPod, iPad, if you believe enough, then you will see it. 
because other people will believe in it. Other people will create software. Other people will create products. So you need to foster the belief in what you are dreaming so that it becomes a reality, which is very different than saying, I don't expect anybody to believe it until I see it. You need people to believe it before they can see it. Don't necessarily think that you have to have the home run and the huge Apple computer on your first start. I spent a long time in my life with skills just building little devices for fun. For fun is one of the key things because that drives you to think and think and think and make it better and better and better than you ever would if you're doing it for a company. Build things at first for yourself that you would want. For somebody aspiring to you know, take things to the next level or to even surpass their wildest dreams, there's always going to have to be an element of luck, but I think more important is putting yourself in a business that can be ubiquitous, that, that, can, that really doesn't have limits. Because otherwise, there's always going to be a grind to it, but if the business, if, if, if it can't be something that you can visualize every business using or every consumer using, it's going to be tough to scale to be big enough or to have the perceived value. You want an idea about what you can say. I know it sounds like a bad idea, but here's specifically why it's actually a great one. You want to sound crazy? but you want to actually be right. Because when you're trying to differentiate, when you're trying to do something different, there's going to be that gut moment, that gut sense. Is this right? Is this not right? If you're not, if you're not having doubt, you're not pushing the boundaries far enough. Don't think about how do, I get really, how do I get big fast. That will happen if you actually build something super meaningful and super important. So don't think about, you know, what is the quickest way to success? Think about what is the best way to building something important that the world really needs. This little idea explains why some organizations and some leaders are able to inspire where others aren't. Let me define the terms really quickly. Every single person, every single organization on the planet knows what they do 100%. Some know how they do it, whether you call it your differentiating value proposition or your proprietary process or your USP. But very, very few people or organizations know why they do what they do. And by why, I don't mean to make a profit. That's a result. It's always a result. By why, I mean what's your purpose? What's your cause? What's your belief? Why does your organization exist? So when we see a kid with a lemonade stand, it's different than when we see a vending machine selling lemonade, even if it's exactly the same product, because the story around it is what people are paying for. So when I meet small business people, all I ask them is not what's their balance sheet, but what's their story. Why should I pick you? Why do I care about what you're doing? And if you start giving me all this inside baseball statistics about why you're 2% better than some other competitor, I'm already glazed over because that's not part of the way I see the world. I have to want this to exist in the world. I have to not... So it's a similar rule. Just say, if this was successful and I had nothing and I got no and I was not involved, and I got no money off it, or wasn't, would I want it to do well? And that's a great check, I think, to know if you really feel good about the idea and, and can be passionate about it. One of the things I advise entrepreneurs to do is when you have an idea, a classic entrepreneurial impulse is to hold the idea close to you and not go tell people because, oh, the idea is so special. Right. That's almost always a mistake. Hmm. Go talk to Why every, is that a mistake? Yeah. It's a mistake because your actual real competitive advantage is not that you have this idea that you have locked away in your closet. 
which may or may not be accurate and you have no idea which it is. Uh, your, your actual competitive advantage is if you're assembling the intelligence around does this idea work, what is the right team, mm. what is the right learnings, and we're essentially in motion. The hardest thing to do is start. Um, you have all these ideas and everyone has an idea, but it's really about executing the idea and building the idea and attracting other people to help you work on the idea. That is the biggest challenge. But the, the way to begin is to get the idea out of your head, draw it out, you know, um, talk about it, program it if you're a programmer, or make it if you're building something. Like you don't have to be the best, but you have to be dangerous, right? You have to learn just enough to be dangerous to build an idea, concept it, and show it to the world. And then it turns out there are lots of other people, including all 170 employees that work at Instagram, who are much better at doing all that stuff than I am. But you need to find people who can, you know, be drawn to the idea that you build, and, and then they end up taking it and, um, and making it even better. You know, one way to conceptualize what makes a good product is, you know, good engineering is part of it, good design is part of it, but really it's, um, one way I think about it is at least, is uh, maximizing the probability that someone shows up at the front door of, you know, your store or your website or, or whatever it is and, and ends up with a solved problem. And oftentimes the best methodology is to start with the perfect experience with just one person get that right, and then figure out how to scale something great instead of scaling something not so great and then trying to improve it. That's really hard to do. Uh, and so I think when you are starting a new business, you, uh, you don't want to go after giant markets. You want to go after small markets, and you want to take over those markets quickly. Constantly seek criticism. Yeah. Uh, a a well-thought-out a well critique of whatever you're doing is as valuable as gold. Um, and you should seek that from everyone you can, but particularly your friends. If you're not utilizing an online community, then you're at a disadvantage to those who are. You can be asking online communities what they think about your ideas, or if they have any advice with what you're working on. Not only will you hear from people who are passionate about the subject, but you'll be hearing from people all around the world, each with their own experiences and stories that can help you. And there are a lot of people from whom we can learn a lot. And I think, like, you know, the one piece of advice is, like, don't underestimate anyone you come across. Ever. Right. Like, whether they're, you know, uh, a blue-collar worker waiting for the bus or they're, you know, helping you at your, they're the server or bartender at the restaurant or they're a lower-ranking employee. I mean, the smartest leaders I've ever seen have always gone around the room and asked for everybody's opinion. Most startups that fail do it, ultimately, because they did not make something that people wanted. They made something that, um, you know, that they thought people would want, um, but they were either in denial about it, about, you know, whether it was actually any good, um, or somebody else came along and made something that people wanted even more. <laughs> the best piece of advice that, that we've figured out as we've been doing Courseware is not to, not to let other people distract what you're doing. There's always haters that say, your idea is stupid, this idea is never going to work, um, don't even bother doing that because someone else is going to do it before you do. And if we listened to all those, all that feedback that we were getting, all that negative feedback, we would never have built things. We would never have prototyped things. And that's how we really got to where we are. Like we saw things that we wanted to build, and we just went out and built them. And it turns out when you build stuff that you like to use, um, there's a good chance that there's thousands of other people that want to use it too. And so it's not just about doing focus groups. It's not just about you know, double-checking your vision. It really is about integrating this concept of testing our ideas rigorously throughout the product development process, throughout the marketing process, even as we scale up. But what you really need to do is think about what is the smallest possible test that I can run 
for this idea, for this concept, for this theory, get it out there and get customers using it. Because your customers are going to be the ones to tell you if it's really working or not. Like, like there's almost this expectation that you have to have in your mind this, this sort of, I'm going to change the world, sort of make a dent in the universe kind of, kind of ambition, right? But it's actually okay early on to just kind of solve small problems in layers until you actually get to a point where you have the capacity to do that. What this all comes down to is doing something exceptional for your users, whether it's in community, whether it's in connection, or whether it's in design. This is our big advantage as a startup, is that we can actually get away with doing this. We can make this the core part of why we're doing business. I think you should be spending your money on, on, um, on teaching and, and sharing, and so that might mean hiring a writer or two, perhaps, instead of a marketing person. You know, and start writing and start getting people to listen to what you're saying. You can't talk about yourself all the time because no one's going to come back for that, but you have to talk about things that are relevant to your industry or ideas that you have and start to build that audience up. I do think that one thing that's important is, especially if you're a founder or a technical founder, is to realize that you can't do everything, and even if you can, you shouldn't. You should find a great partner, no matter what it is that you're doing, um, and you should look for someone who is very high intelligence, uh, very high energy, and very high integrity. And you need all three of those, and you can't compromise on any one of them. Otherwise, you'll end up with uh, either someone who's not smart, which is, does you no good, or someone who's not hardworking, which also does you no good, or the worst case is you end up with a smart, hardworking crook who ends up working against your interests. And uh, integrity is something that takes a lot of time spent with someone to figure out. The most important thing when you're working with people early is that you guys line up on, on what your goals are. Um, that's, that's really, that sounds really basic, but you can totally, it can be fine. You can want to build a small business um, that makes money and you don't have to go to an office every day. Or you can want to build a huge company. You can want to build Google. But I think you have to be really, really aligned on that. When you know, a lot of corporations have, they might call them core values or guiding principles or so on, but the problem is usually they're very lofty sounding. They kind of read like a press release the marketing department put out. Uh, they sound just like their competitors and maybe you learn about it on day one of your job, but then it becomes this meaningless plaque on the lobby wall. Well, we wanted to come up with committable core values, and by committable, meaning we're willing to hire or fire people based on those values, uh, completely independent of their actual job performance. The definition of values is they're the behaviors or principles that you religiously adhere to within your company. When I say religious, I mean that no amount of data will sway you in, from, um, from those principles. And the degree to which that you have the courage to um, maintain your conviction around those ideas is the degree to which you're going to be successful over the long term. A company is simply a group of people. Um, and uh, as a leader of people, uh, you have to be a great listener. Um, you have to be a great motivator. Uh, you have to uh, be very good at praising and looking for the best in people. Um, you know, people are no different from, from flowers. If you water flowers, they flourish. If you um, praise people, they flourish. And, um, and that's a critical attribute of, um, of a leader. Um, so I kind of like half jokingly with, with a lot of people say that, you know, my job is basically like to be, to be the assistant for the rest of the company. Like my job is to, to make sure that like you have what you need um, that it's and, and basically you have everything you need to kick ass like that's my job if you don't have that then let me know because I'm not doing my job 
you know, there are a lot of things that are outside of your control. Uh, a lot of external circumstances will depend, like determine the success of your idea, whether you know the market timing is right for this new kind of service, um, or whether uh, people, you know, whether a customer like the economy is right for 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 your kind of service, right? Whether um, you meet the right people who will finance your company. Um, many many external circumstances are like outside of your control and like, but will affect the outcome and. You, know, you have to like be okay with that. Another quality that I think is important is kind of being flexible-minded or open-minded. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a you know vision for for your idea or your product, but you need to be open to changes. So many things go wrong when you're starting a company, and often I think people ask, you know, what mistakes uh, should you avoid making, and. You know, my answer to that question is don't even bother trying to avoid mistakes because you're going to make tons of mistakes, right? And the, the, um, the important thing is actually learning quickly from whatever mistakes you make and not giving up, right? And, I mean, there, there are things every single year of Facebook's existence that could have killed us or made it so that it, it just seemed like moving forward and making a lot of progress just seemed intractable, but you just kind of bounce back and you learn. And um, nothing is impossible. You just have to kind of keep running through the walls. The two things we really zero in on on people are, um, you know, two things. They sound simple. They end up being very difficult. Um, courage and genius. Um, courage is the one we talk about a lot because it's the one that people can learn. Um, you know, courage, courage, which is to say not giving up in the face of adversity, um, you know, just being absolutely determined to succeed, you know, is something that you can, you can like force yourself to do. It can be very painful. You can force yourself to do it. The genius part is a little bit hard to force yourself to do. Um, you know, courage without genius might not get you where you need to go, but genius without courage almost certainly won't. And I think the reality uh, is just, you know, not quite so glamorous. There's sort of a, there's an ugly side to uh, being an entrepreneur. Uh, and also just more importantly, uh, with what you're actually spending your time on is, is just a lot of hard work. Uh, Sam mentioned this, but you're basically just sitting at your desk, heads down, focused, um, answering customers, customer support emails, doing sales, figuring out hard engineering problems. Um, so it's really important that you kind of like go in with, with eyes wide open. Optimism has a place, but I think even more so for the first time entrepreneur, it, you need to be pragmatically pessimistic. What I mean by that is you need to define all of the worst case scenarios in terms of financial loss, time loss, etc. Look at what you will learn if that happens and accept and come to terms with that before you ever start. If you don't do that and you go straight into battling the world, trying to conquer the world with rose-colored glasses on, the first time you hit a major hiccup, you're going to become really demoralized and you will quit. If you don't love it, you won't make it through the long period of pain that is inevitable. So uh, make sure that you take care of yourself during the process. Make sure that you take care of uh, your mental health, your physical health while you're doing it because it's a long road. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. You're listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation. Okay, I want to talk to you about the top 10 qualities and the top 10 things that entrepreneurs um, 
hold on to, the things that make us entrepreneurs, and the things that you need to know because everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. If you don't get anything else out of 2020, I know it was supposed to be a great vision. It was supposed to be the perfect everything. And then here, we got all hit upside the head with this pandemic and all these other things that are happening. But you need to understand that this is just the beginning. This is your opportunity. This is your season. So here's what you need to know about being an entrepreneur because everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. Why? Because everybody needs multiple streams of income. Why? Because one stream of income is hazardous to your wealth. I don't care what it is. If you only have one of them, then with you lose it, then you are out of everything. So you want to build multiple streams of income. You need to understand that this is not something that is reserved for the wealthy, for the rich, uh, for the smart, uh, for the, you know, none of that. It is for you. So the top 10 things that every entrepreneur uh, basically uh, holds uh, as, as one of our values. Number one, entrepreneurs do not understand the word no. We don't understand the word no. You tell an entrepreneur no, entrepreneur no then we think, okay, not now. All right, not yet. <laughs> you know, we go back and figure out how to get a yes. And we figure out how to get a yes by any ethical and moral means necessary. Now, we're not going to do anything bad. I know that people are who, there are people who do things bad. But an entrepreneur is going to figure out how to get to a yes. As a matter of fact, successful people are successful because they keep failing. They keep hitting a brick wall, but they do not let themselves stay there. My friend, mentor, and former boss Russell Simmons says, you cannot fail until you quit. You can't fail until you quit. So the only way it can never happen for you is if you stop. You have to keep going. Entrepreneurs do not understand the word no, and you need to eliminate it from your vocabulary as well. Now, you can say no when you have to set up boundaries. Everybody knows that I say no is a complete sentence. So if somebody is asking you for money, the answer is no, just like that. You don't have to say anything else. You don't have to start coming up with excuses. But when it comes to opportunity, when it comes to your future, when it comes to your grind, when it comes to your next season, you cannot accept no for an answer. Let me tell you how this worked out for me. I was working for one of the world's top financial institutions. I decided I don't want to do this anymore. I wanted to live in what I felt was my purpose, and that was to go into the hip-hop and entertainment industry and help uh, people build wealth. And so I was on a plane ride home from New York to Chicago. When I got home, it was really late. I had to get up really early to take another trip someplace else, um, but I did not go to sleep. I stayed up hours and hours searching for Russell Simmons because he was doing an initiative called Get Your Money Right with Jay-Z, Beyonce, a whole lot of folks. And I thought, hey, I'm supposed to be a part of that. So I found an email finally after hours, hours. Now, how many times have you searched for something and didn't find it in two minutes and then you gave up? You know, one of my kids, I'm not going to tell you which one, but one of my kids, you know, she's not the one that's really going to work really, really hard. If you tell her to go look for something, it could be sitting on the table. But if she just look right here and don't see it, she's going to tell you she can't find it. I'm like, look to your right. Oh, there it is. Okay. So if you are looking for something, trying to get something, trying to get to the next level, trying to figure it out, you can't stop just because you don't see it. You can't stop just because you don't find the answer. Keep going. Keep asking questions. Entrepreneurs do not understand no. We think no means not yet, not now, not today. Um, come up with another way. <laughs> That's what we think. Entrepreneurs do not accept no. Here's the next thing about an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs do not uh, allow 
uh, external circumstances to dictate our future and to dictate our present. So in other words, an entrepreneur takes matters into their own hands. We take matters into our own hands. So I have been broke. I have been on food stamps. I've had bankruptcy. I've had foreclosure. I've had all those things. None of that defines me. None of that is going to stop me. So I don't care if you've been incarcerated, if you had kids too young, if you lost your job, if you lost your man, if you lost your woman, if you lost whatever it is that you lost. That doesn't dictate your future. If you are sick, God bless you. I'm praying for you. But that does not dictate your future. You've got to decide that you're going to make a way out of no way. And let me tell you something. If you sit still, if you're quiet, if you actually, if you pray, and if, if you just if you just allow yourself to surrender, the answers will come to you. You've got to make a way out of no way. Everything that exists did not exist before it got here. I don't care what it is. A computer before it got here didn't exist. A way out of no way. Facebook before it got here didn't exist. A way out of no way. The pair of shoes, whatever, the house that you live in, before it existed, it did not exist. That's a way out of no way. So if you're in your situation, if you're in your circumstances, then you have to say, you know what? What I want does not exist, but I'm going to bring it into existence. I'm going to make a way out of no way. Okay? Here's the next thing about entrepreneurs, the good ones, the ones who are grinding and, and getting to the next level. Entrepreneurs want to help other people make money. Okay? A true entrepreneur really wants to become what they actually talk about. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're cheap, something's wrong with you. You're not an entrepreneur. You're not an entrepreneur if you're cheap. The very act and the very nature of being an entrepreneur is wanting to create streams of income for yourself and others. And because we live in this world and we cannot do anything by ourselves, we can't do anything by ourselves, then in order for me to make money, you have to make money. In order for me to grow, you have to grow. In order for me to get better, you have to get better. One of the things that I tell my students all the time is this. I am not a good teacher unless you are a good learner. If you're a good learner, then that means that I'm a good teacher, so we need each other. So entrepreneurs believe in the cycle of life. We believe that what goes around comes around, and we put in and we get out, and we want to give to others, okay? So that is one of uh, the characteristics of being an entrepreneur. Here's another characteristic of being an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur has to be able to dream. You have to be able to see beyond your own circumstances. You have to be able to see that you can be wealthy, that you can have a great business, that you can help others, that you can build a community, a business, an online company, or whatever it is, and then you got to believe it. you got to believe what you see. You see, here's the deal. If you can see something, then that means it's for you. If you can see a vision, then that means it's for you. You would not get a vision for something that does, does not belong to you. Let me give you an example. I've always envisioned being, um, a, a, you know, helping people all over the world with their finances. And guess what? Now I'm helping people all over the world with their finances. Australia, Saudi Arabia, Africa, Europe, Austra any, everywhere, United States, all over. So I saw that and it was possible. I just had to believe it and then I had to do the work. I had to do the work. So you have to do the work. I've never envisioned being an astronaut because that's not for me. I've never envisioned uh, being 
uh, a scientist, that's not for me. So I am only going to envision what is possible for me, and that's the same thing for you. So you have to be a dreamer if you're going to be an entrepreneur. Here's the other thing, uh, another characteristic uh, of entrepreneurs. Uh, entrepreneurs are always thinking about what's next, okay? We never get comfortable. We're always thinking about what's next. So I want you, if you are comfortable, if you're in a comfort zone, that means you're actually not comfortable, okay? If you're in a comfort zone, it actually means you're not comfortable. You've just figured out a way to make madness normal. You figured out a way to make mediocre okay. You figured out a way to live beneath your privilege. And an entrepreneur is always thinking about what's next. Now, let me tell you, it's not always easy. As a matter of fact, it's very hard. It's not always fun. As a matter of fact, sometimes it's not downright not fun at all. But it's the only way, okay? It's the only way. So you wake up, you get up, you look at what happened yesterday, whatever the mistake was, I always say, listen, God, teach me the lesson so I can get the blessing. No matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's happening in your life, somebody left you, the company didn't go right, the deal didn't go down properly, your kids didn't do what they were supposed to do, your parents didn't do what they were supposed to do, what's next? Teach me the lesson so I can get the blessing. And the lesson is always for you. The lesson is never what someone else did. The lesson is never how they worked it out. The, the lesson is never how they wronged you, how they, what? The lesson is never that. The lesson is always for you. So what's next? Here's the other thing about being an entrepreneur. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, you got to understand this. You can't quit. Okay? So everything that I basically said here is about continuing to go, to continuing to go and continuing to grow. All right? You cannot quit. That's what being an entrepreneur is. And so how many times have you quit on yourself? There have been times in my life where I quit on myself. Yep, I certainly did. I remember early in my life, I decided I just wanted to just stop and do nothing. Have you stopped? Have you stopped? You can't quit. You're still here. You still have breath in your body. You still have the ability to see, think, hear, plan, Laugh, live, love, whatever it is, you are still here. That means you can't quit. You have to keep going. I don't care how many times it failed. You know how many times I failed in 20 years? I've, everything that I do well now, I failed at a whole bunch of times. <laughs> Not just once, multiple times. I got to the place, how can I even fail at this anymore? Because failing is not even possible because I've failed it. Like, there is nothing left to fail at. That's how much I failed. All right? But if you keep going, if you tell yourself the truth, if you accept uh, your own responsibility, let me tell you something. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to throw this in here for you for free. I don't know if I did 10 or 5. I'll have to catch you on the next episode, okay? We'll have to continue Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio.
brother is so hard to catch up. We've been trying to get him a Washington watch for a long time, and I had to do so. Come all the way to California to that 2011 All-Star Game to hook up with Russell Simmons. He's got a new book out. It is Super Rich, A Guide to Having It All. Russell, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you, brother. You know, I was in Washington, and I missed you. I know that. So that's what I'm saying. And so I, I called ahead and everything. I, so I you're, understand. You're a little tough to catch as well. Well, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Let's, let's jump right into it. I've, uh, I've heard many different interviews. I've read different interviews. I talked to you on Tom during the morning show. Yeah. And your critics, the first thing they say, Russell, you got it all. You got money. You're getting paid. So how all of a sudden are you now deciding to tell people there's a different way to have it all? When you hear that, what do you say? Well, I, I think that that criticism is legitimate. I hear it so often. I, I don't think it, it, it's, uh, it, it makes real good sense since your mother and your, your father and your, your preacher, your rabbi, imam, or right. your, your prophet, your scripture, all told you that it, having it all comes from within. Mm -hmm. And so it's told to you over and over again. I mean, of course, people forget, but in, it's etched in stone. You know, it's in each prophet's mouth and each, and each uh, teaching. So this book is about the, the, the same truth that you already have etched inside you. The, the idea is to have it ring a bell. Here's what, here's what jumps out. Uh, I was at a church in Dallas several years ago, uh, and they honored the member of the year. This woman didn't have a car, didn't have much money, but the pastor said whenever somebody was sick, she was always at the hospital first. Uh, when his father died, uh, she was there taking care of him. And what they talked about was, they said she, she, was a, she had a prosperous spirit. Now, when people hear spiritual prosperity, it, it, what's interesting is this woman, the pastor said she didn't have a lot of money, she didn't have cars, but her spirit was prosperous because she was a giving woman. There is, there is a, part, a point in the book that was uh, tough for me because I wanted to make sure that people got this message. I didn't want to tell them that you could have a prosperous spirit and you would be happy, and that was all. Because I know that, that is not attractive to a lot of us. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are entitled, we need to empower ourselves, and maybe if we believe at the end there's some payoff, then we'll start to walk a, a different path. I can remind you that, of course, the story of Puffy is in that book, the story of Leo Cohen, the story of Kevin Lyles, the story of Julie Greenwald, the story of Michael Kaiser. All these people were my intern became president. Right. The story of David Geffen as, in, as a intern working in the mailroom. All those stories are in the book. But those stories about people who went to work and they were focused on the present, they were giving, they were making sure everybody was better right. as interns. And when you make sure everybody's better as an intern, you study your craft, one day you're the leader. You're still a servant. But they look to you for leadership because you're making them better. But the struggle seems to be, for a lot of people, uh, they see it as 100% this, 100% that. So, for instance, I'll talk to people and they'll say, uh, uh, well, you know, you know, I want to have a bigger house, want to have more money. And I say, look, I understand it. I get that. But if you don't have a sense of happiness inside, if you don't have a sense of contentment, then even when you get that, you still may not be content, you still may not be happy, and you still might be miserable. See, I would contend, and this is a, people would say this is more Eastern philosophy, but it's, it's written in the Bible and the Quran and the Torah as well. The contentment is not partly inside as a result. You know, and it, there is nothing on the outside that will make you happy. Money does not make you happy under any circumstance. Mm -hmm. Happy does make you money, though, this attractive giver. What, what jumps out, one thing, uh, in writing this where you said, wow, this is where I am today. This is where I used to be, and even I'm surprised about that growth, that evolution. What I learned is that when I look back and I'm trying to explain what it is that, that, that promotes this kind of prosperity or this kind of happiness inside, I can look back now after having read scripture and look and say, 
Well, this is what they mean. Like we talk about being awake or fully awake, and what I call super rich is a state of needing mm-hmm. nothing. The same thing could be described, uh, nirvana would be the state of needing nothing, or a state of yoga, or Christ consciousness, a state of needing nothing. It's a blissful state. When does that happen? So there's a chapter called Work is Prayer, to make work your prayer. Because when I was making these records, all I could hear was the melody. I was focused on the melody. Every so often I might break focus. And I'd break focus and I'd think, wait till they hear this. I never thought, when till the money comes. You mentioned stillness. There's a wonderful gospel song called Peace Be Still. Talk a bit about why stillness is so important. It Especially is. in the world now where we have Twitter, Facebook, Blackberries, iPod, iPhone, iPad, Internet, everything. You it's it just moving. Yeah, but you operate from stillness. You have hundreds, hundreds of thoughts going through your head all the time. When the noise settles, they say it's only God. That's mm-hmm. all that's left is mm-hmm. here. And so you need to, every day if possible, let the noise settle. And separate yourself from, and then you operate from a place where you can be the watcher. The yogis refer to the watcher where they see their life, and instead of being an extra moved around by the masses or the collective, the collective is, it, you're in the role that you want to play. You can play your own role as opposed to being moved around. How do you feel when people come up to you and literally say, my thought process, my life, my focus has been transformed by something that you wrote? The proceeds of this book go to charity. I run five charities. I run the Foundation for Ethnic Understanding, the Diamond Empowerment Fund, the Hip Hop Summit Action Network, the Rush Philanthropic Art Foundation, the Life Project. I, I run and I work in many other philanthropic mm-hmm. and social and political in, endeavors. Uh, that's what I do. But this book and the last book, I do get that. And the lifting, in, lifting someone's consciousness by even one degree is a very great, great gift. And for me, it is, you know, it is um, the most rewarding thing I can do is to give people a little shift or just a reminder of, of, of the peace of God that's inside them. Are you hopeful, let's deal with the issue of music, uh, are, are you hopeful that a bestseller like this, your influence with folks in the industry, uh, could also raise their level of consciousness in terms of what they are distributing? Well, you know, I think that the rapper's job is to tell us what we're thinking as a collective I don't think that they necessarily have to be the ones to lift us. It's nice when Kanye writes Jesus Walks. But if we're sexist, and we are, and if we're racist, and we are, and if we're homophobic, and we are, and we're violent, and, and, a, and a rapper brings some of that into his poetry, mm-hmm. it's a look at some part of us we don't like to see. And I would say that the rappers are already less sexist, mm-hmm. less racist, less homophobic, than the masses, and they're certainly less gangster than our government. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I want them, I want everyone to be lifted. I don't want the poets traditionally have always told us who we are. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't mean just here in America at this moment, but traditionally throughout history, the poets have always been the ones to look inside and, and spit out things that we do act on, live with, and, and try to block out. And then the poets say it. George Bush don't like white, black people. Doesn't mean it's true, it means that's what people are thinking. So he just said it. He said, wow, why did he say that? He said it because everybody's thinking it. So poets have to say F to police. Very important to say F to police. When there's so much police brutality going along, going on, and mm-hmm. at that moment, and then the next thing, there was a whole review of the relationship between community and police. And so I think the poet's job is to give it to us raw. I don't, 
fault them. They're not ahead of society in violence. They're not ahead of society in sexism or racism. They're certainly less racist and sexist and homophobic and everything else than the previous generation. So, I, you know, I hope that everyone's lifted. I hope that our priests and preachers, who are more sexist than most rappers, mm-hmm. are, are, are transformed. I hope that there's some people who are, and I think a lot of rappers are talking about it, who realize that the, the, the number two use of oil beside the army, all the water, all the grain, the destruction of the ozone layer, all the cancer and sickness and the worst calm in the history of humankind is the animals and the abuse of them. And I think that a lot of rappers are saying that more, more than the, the mainstream. It's our reality. So we do things unconsciously. Rappers bring them up because at least they can be in touch with them. They know them. They see the contradictions. And it's good that they say what they say in many cases. I never, uh, I'm offended by what they say. I'm, I'm hurt sometimes. If, if, I, if, if I can't escape it, I'm sometimes hurt by the things that we do as a collective. But I'm not upset by a poet who exposes it. Folks, the book is called Super Rich, A Guide to Having It All uh, by Russell Simmons. Bestseller. Uh, and so certainly I hope folks uh, continue reading it. But also, as you said, stay on the path of enlightenment. What's your definition of greatness? I think the definition of greatness is to inspire the people next to you. My parents were, were great. You know, growing up, you know, they instilled in me the importance of imagination, of curiosity. And understanding that, okay, if you want to accomplish something, I'm not just going to sit here and say, yes, you can do whatever you want. Yes, you can, but you have to also put in the work to get there. You grow up as a kid thinking that all things are possible if you put in the work to do it. You know, you grow up having that fundamental belief. Uh, my father uh, was really influential at a really critical time where I, you know, I had a summer where I played basketball when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And here I come playing and I don't score one point the entire summer. Scored not a free throw, not a nothing, not a lucky shot, not a breakaway layup, zero points. And I remember crying about it and being upset about it. And my father just gave me a hug and said, listen, whether you score zero or score 60, I'm going to love you no matter what. That is the most important thing that you can say to a child. It gives me all the confidence in the world to fail. But to hell with that. I'm scoring 60. From there, I just went to work. And I just wow. I stayed with it. I kept practicing, kept practicing, kept practicing. I think that's when the idea of understanding a long-term view became important. Because I wasn't going to catch these kids in a week. I wasn't going to catch them in a year. right? So that's when I sat down and said, okay, this is going to take some thought. I started creating a menu of things. Mm. When I came back the next summer, I was a little bit better. Open shots not miss open shots, be able to shoot it with speed because those kids are so much more athletic. It's a simple thing of math. If you want to be a great player, if you play every single day, two, three hours, every single day, over the course of a year, how much better are you getting? If you're obsessively training two, three hours every single day over a year, over two years, you make quantum leaps. Show up every single day, do the work. They're looking at me as if, okay, this kid's soft. 
right? He's from the suburbs of Philadelphia. They felt like they could try to be physical or try to intimidate me and do all sorts of stuff, which they couldn't. Now I'm saying, okay, well, you're trying to attack me. How am I going to attack you? One of the things I would do is while everybody would be at the cafeteria work, you know, eating and doing all sorts of stuff, I'd just go back to the gym. Yeah, I may be from the suburbs, but you're not going to outwork me. Right, look at thing, things at their smallest. A lot of times the game starts moving really fast. But if you train yourself to watch hours and hours of film, the game's not moving that fast anymore. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's an obsessiveness that comes along with it. You want things to be as perfect as they can be. Understanding that nothing is ever perfect. But the challenge is try to get them as perfect as they can be. So how can we teach our children what it means to work hard? Well, you do it through training. Right? So when I get up in the morning, my daughter goes with me. 4 a.m., my 15-year-old goes with me. It becomes a daddy-daughter thing. Through that process, she understands the value of hard work. So it's through those behaviors uh, um, is where I find the motivation to mm. do it. Well, what does losing feel like to you? Uh, it's exciting because it means you have different um, ways to get better. There are certain things that you can figure out that you can take advantage of, right? Certain weaknesses that were exposed, mm. there are answers there if you just look at them. It's a constant process. It's exciting when you win, it's exciting when you lose because the process should be exactly the same. The hardest thing is to face that stuff. I think it's the fear of, of starting anew. When you play for 20 years, I play for 20 years, you reach a certain level, you're like, okay, wait a minute, I have to start again at the base of a mountain and try to climb the top of this mountain. First of all, what mountain am I climbing? I don't even know, like, what the hell am I going to be doing? The thing that helped me, actually, was hurting my Achilles because that forced me to sit there and say, okay, the day could be today that your career is over. First question I asked, which is the wrong question, is what's the biggest industry I can get into? I said, okay, stop thinking of it that way. You're thinking of it the wrong way. Why did you start playing basketball? Because I loved it. All right, what do you love to do? Oh, I love to tell stories. Mm. All right, let's do that. I think stories is what moves the world. Nothing in this world moves without story. And so I think that is the root of everything. And if we're going to try to make the world a better place, story is the right place to start. Yeah. my English teachers at Lord Marion named uh, uh, Mr. Fisk. He had a great quote that said, rest at the end, not in the middle. And that's something I always live by. I'm not going to rest. I'm going to keep on pushing now. There are a lot of answers that I don't have, even questions that I don't have. But I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going, and I'll figure these things out as you go, right? And you just continue to build that way. So I, I try to live by that all the time. You know, happiness is a dimension of our own nature. Happiness from a spiritual point of view, it's not based on conditions or circumstances. 
innately we're happy beings. We're spiritual beings. So that means that happiness and joy are already built within. And as we're growing spiritually, we are removing filters from seeing or feeling the happiness that's already there. When we're somewhat blocked, happiness is conditioned. We say, well, I got a new car, therefore I'm happy. Or this person didn't call me back, therefore I'm unhappy. And so it's conditioned-based. But as we mature spiritually and we begin to touch into our real nature and being, we notice that we're happy regardless of what's going on. Something bad happens, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. Uh, someone doesn't call us back, some plan doesn't work out, we don't like it, but the happiness is still there. So that's a sign of spiritual maturity. So can we define happiness as the way to transform every emotion and transform it into something great? Yes, you, you can uh, basically, you, you discover your happiness when you're able to see that in every circumstance there is possibility, there's potential, and there's an energy behind it pushing you to a greater expression of, of, of who and what you really are. People become frustrated and unhappy if they feel there's no way out, if they feel that every road is blocked. But in reality, with a capital R, there's no such world. No world like that exists. We're surrounded by infinite possibilities. And so with a shift of perception and attitude, you begin to see those possibilities. And those possibilities uh, invite us uh, to activate potential within us. Uh, the gifts and talents within us that are latent, the possibilities invite us to activate, to discover and activate those, those possibilities. So again, then happiness would be us uh, becoming more ourselves. That'd be a very blissful state, you see. So it doesn't deny that bad things happen in the world. It doesn't deny that people die. People die on us. You know, people leave. Jobs change. It doesn't deny that. But when we come to an understanding that even with all the changes that are going on in the phenomenal world, there's still something about us that's permanent. There's something about us that's forever. And that part of us that's forever is spiritual, which means it never... It never began and it will never end. And as we become more and more identified with that, identified not just in, with a belief system, but identified that with some kind of spiritual practice, some kind of focus, some kind of intention, then our life takes on a whole different, a whole different vibration. How we can overcome the fear of rejection? Rejection is paying too much attention. The fear of rejection is paying too much attention to what other people are thinking about you and other, what other people are thinking about what you're thinking about. And people live in that kind of a bubble. I wonder if that person likes me. I wonder if this person appreciates me. And those are, uh, that's the wrong mode of being in the world. You have to think about what the universe thinks about you. And the universe thinks you're important. The, the, whatever name you want to use, you can say the universe, you can say the cosmos, you can say God, whatever. What, what, is, what does the universe think of you? And because you were created, you have meaning, you are important, you're worthy, you're worthwhile, because you weren't made accidentally. You weren't just accidentally made. Uh, nature didn't just come together and accidentally make you. You know, uh, there was a perfect idea behind you with c complete potential and possibility uh, to be activated. So you have to begin to think about, we all have to begin to think about, how does the universe think about me? 
Not how does that person over there think about me. Not how those group of people over there think about me. That's a waste of my time. Then I start to people please. I start to do things to make them like me, which may take away from my mission, may take away from my authenticity. It may take away from making my powers because I'm thinking about what they're thinking about. And they're thinking about what I'm thinking about. Everybody's thinking about what other people are thinking about what they're thinking about. <laughs> no. And what difference do you do you see between pay attention to others yes. and learn from feedback of others? Yeah, yeah. You can learn from feedback from others. I'm not overly concerned about what others are thinking about me because I'm, I'm living my passion and my purpose and my intention. And then life gives me feedback. If if I'm being stubborn in some area. Then, then, then there'll be some feedback from either life itself or from people. If, if I'm being arrogant, you'll get the feedback. If you're being wishy-washy, you get the feedback. So you learn how to pay attention. And, you know, as you, as you mature and become more comfortable with yourself, you're able to take criticism. And what happens is uh, you start paying, uh, you start seeing, what, what, what they're called the two imposters, criticism and praise. There are people that praise you and people that criticize you. But after a while, you don't really care about either one of them. They're called imposters. And so if somebody's criticizing you and saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, you know, shut up, whatever, <laughs> you, 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 you don't care. It's like, thank you for your feedback, you know. And if somebody says, oh, you're the greatest, you're the greatest, you, 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 you're the best, you say, thank you, for your, thank you for your feedback. You start treating both the same because you're not trying to get something from the people. You're giving a gift to the people. You're getting your information and your energy directly from the life force, you see. You're getting fed by life. Life is giving you information, and you're sharing it. And if people don't want it, and they say, ah, it's a bunch of baloney, thank you. I won't give it to you, you know. And if somebody says, I want it, thank you. Here it is. But after a while, praise and criticism, you don't really care because you're... you're You're becoming so in tune inside of yourself. Yeah. It's, like, it's like if you are a mathematician and you know that 10 plus 10 is 20. You know it. It's not an opinion. You know it. And you stand in front of a group and you start to do your math and somebody says, I don't believe that. What are you going to do? You're going to say, okay, thank you. You know, you know 10 plus 10 is 20. You say, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Good example. They're giving you feedback where you need to grow. Because when you get out here as a public figure, People talk about you. If you do really good, they talk about you more. If you do really, really good, they talk about you really, really more. It, it goes with scale. And then you learn this. Um, mediocrity attacks excellence all the time. And so if you're seeking to live a, an excellent life, those who have agreement with mediocrity, they attack you because you're making them uncomfortable. They want to stay small, so they attack people who are trying to do big things. Let's talk about the law of attraction. According to you, how we can use the law of attraction? Well, the, the basic, first start with the basics. The basic law is what you chronically think about is what you bring about in your experience. A thought is a unit of mental energy. Energy can never be created or destroyed. Energy just keeps changing itself into higher or lower expressions. So if you're constantly thinking negative, you know, uh, Life is hard and, and then you die. There's not enough good jobs around. 
uh, there's no decrease of crisis. Yeah, there's everything is working. Then you, your, your body temple gets that message. The cells of your of your body begin to hear that. It starts to produce produce toxic chemicals. Your immune system starts to become unhinged. Starts to be be impaired. Your thinking starts to go down because of the toxic chemicals, and you start to bring about what you're thinking about. You become sick. Uh, not as much energy, so therefore your opportunities are depleted, uh, your energy is down, critical thinking goes down, and then you start to bring about that negativity that you're describing. But you change it around, and you begin to say, you know, I'm surrounded uh, by opportunities. Life is good. Everything is working together for my good. I, 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 I'm surrounded by infinite opportunities. Uh, prosperity is right here. And then what happens? When you start to say that, your mood is lifted, Tonic chemicals and endorphins start to go through the body, starts to amplify your immune system, your thinking becomes more clearer, you start to see life differently, opportunities, you start to see opportunities that you couldn't see before, possibilities open up that you didn't even know about because your attitude has changed, and what looks like the law of attraction is simply you lifting your vibration so that you can see the potential that's here. And then we call it the law of attraction, but what it really is, I call it the law, of, the law of radiation, the law of emergence. Because what you're doing is allowing that which is within you to come out and, and to radiate and to emerge and to express. And then in the physical form, good things happen. And it looks like it's a, you're attracting it, but what's really happening is you're radiating it. And what you're radiating is becoming visible. To the new evolution radio network where the evolution is the revolution. All right, all right, all right. Peace to the gods. What's going down? You right here on the new evolution radio network. This is the Saturday vibe for Noor Hour, and I'm your host, Joy Bounce L. Bay. And this is the Entrepreneur Hour, the Saturday vibe. We're going to go in today. Um, I'd like to welcome you to the show. If you want to call in or holler at me, if you're in the chat or listening online, Call the numbers 347-989-0194. If you're sitting in and you want to talk to me, make sure that you press the number one, and we'll get you in. You can come in and holler at me, all right? So today, as we do every Saturday, we go into entrepreneurial things that will help you with your business, help you to become more productive, help you to become more successful in building your brand, your business, who you are, what you represent to the world. So welcome. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the idea of creating and building your brand, okay? And this will be a series of shows that we will continue to do uh, because I believe that you are your brand and building a successful brand is not an easy thing to do. In fact, building a brand um, has taken some companies 100 to 100, 200 years to do actually. So building a brand is really important, right? But in order to build a brand, you must know what a brand is. You must know how to build a brand, right, for it to be successful. Um, You know, if you remember the movie with uh, my boy Denzel, right, he was selling that Blue Magic, or I think that's what they call it, Blue Magic, right? He said it's a brand name, right, like Coca-Cola. It's a brand name, right? So you must create your brand name. Now, what is a brand, right? Well, 
A brand is a name, it's a term, it's a design, it's a symbol. Any feature that can identify one seller's good or service as distinct from another person's good or service, right? So it sets you aside, it sets you apart, it makes you what is special about you, about what is special about your brand, right? So brands are used in businesses, they're used in marketing, they're used in advertising, they are used for recognition, and importantly, right, they are used to create and store value, right? So anytime you think about equity in a brand, nobody wants to invest in your company, right? Put equity into your company unless they see some value in your brand, okay? Now, to the benefit of the brand's customers, it is the benefit of the brand to always continuously brand themselves, to continuously grow in their brand. So the practice of branding is actually thought to have begun with the ancient Egyptians, believe it or not, right? And they were known to have engaged in what they call livestock branding, right? And this was done as early as uh, 2700 BCE. So branding was used to differentiate one person's cattle from another person's by the means of a distinct symbol, okay, which was burned into the skin with a brand, right? They call it a branding iron. Now, if a person stole that person's cattle, anybody else who saw the symbol could deduce the actual owner of the cattle. Why? Because the cattle had a brand in it, you understand? Now, if you know anything about the birth certificate, we, we talked about this way back in 2014, right? But the term has been extended to mean a strategic personality for a product or a company. So the brand now suggests the value in the promises that a consumer can perceive or even buy into. So when you buy stock, you're buying into a brand. You understand? So over the time, over a period of time, right, the practice of branding objects uh, extend to a broader range, right? So you get branding in packaging, you get branding in commercials, you get branding things like uh, uh, cosmetics, oil, I mean, you name it. It's a brand, right? So people are branding themselves in all types of ways. Look at McDonald's. They brand themselves with the arches, right? So anywhere you go, you know that there's a McDonald's there. Why? Because you see the golden arches. Other than that, how would you deduce that it was a McDonald's? Right? So over time, the practice of branding, okay, has changed, obviously, right? You know, and, it, and it's grown into really a, a, a mass marketing thing, right? So branding in terms of painting a cow with symbols or colors at flea markets was considered to be one of the oldest forms and practices of branding something. Now, in the modern era of branding, the concept of branding has expanded to include the development uh, by a manager of a marketing company or a communications firm, different techniques that people use, things like that, right? Uh, your trademark, your logo, uh, what they call brand loyalty, brand awareness. Now, brand loyalty is a positive feeling towards the brand, right? And it creates... It creates excitement, if you will, right? It can also demonstrate uh, a behavior, right? A, a word of mouth type of thing, right? So when somebody does a good job, right? 
in their business, normally they get word of mouth customers. So that is technically considered what, what you would call brand loyalty, right? Some type of some type of brand loyalty. So a lot of companies believe that there is often very little to differentiate between several types of products and a whole bunch of products, right? So it's considered brand development. Now, there is something that we call brand equity. Right? So brand equity is a phrase and they use this in marketing. Right? And it refers to uh, perceived worth of a brand and of the brand itself. Right? So basically this is based on the idea that the owner, which would be you, of your brand Right of a well-known brand can generate more revenue simply by brand recognition. So this is why you see a lot of brands like Nike and shit. They'll get athletes to come wear their clothing. Why? Because it's about the brand equity, the equity of the brand. So in other words, brand equity refers to the branding of a product, a name on an attention deficit public. See, people in the public like to have flashy shit. They like to associate themselves with name brand things. This is why growing up, you remember, we used to buy name brand clothes. You wanted the name brand clothes. You wanted uh, to eat name brand cereal. (laughs) Right? You wanted Frosty Flakes instead of Sugar Flakes. Right? Because Frosty Flakes took the extra time to make sure that you know that it was great. Right? it's great, you know, to tell me to tell you <laughs> all that shit, right? So we understand brand equity in that particular sense. It's a psychological thing when you start talking about brands. Okay? Now, and, and I, want, I want to, you know, be real specific here. There's something known as brand valuation, right? But in brand valuation is a management technique, right? And it basically ascribes a monetary value to a brand and then it allows the marketing investment to be managed or, or prioritized in what you would call a portfolio for that particular brand, right? So anytime you think about your brand, you have to think about what is my brand worth? Do I have some type of brand equity in my brand, right? Is there brand awareness? Have you done something such as a branding eye, which today we can consider to be a logo. Have you done that, right? Have you put your brand aside, right, and made it different? Now, branding and labeling have an ancient history, right? So branding probably began with the practice of the livestock thing, right? And in a lot of Egyptian tombs, you can see branding. You can see where they left their mark. Right, so it's really about leaving your mark on on humanity and over time. Okay. Now today I'm going to give you some simple steps to help with your brand, to help you discover your purpose, to help you build your brand equity, to help you build your brand awareness, and then we'll keep this conversation going over a period of time. All right. Now, number one, and this is really important is you must discover the purpose behind your brand. See, every successful brand has a purpose behind it. So what's the purpose of your brand? Now, if your brand has a purpose, then guess who else should have a purpose? That's right, you should. So 
It's what you wake up to every day, right? It's what you love to do every day. So there's four questions that you should ask yourself when you're defining a brand purpose. Number one, why does your brand exist? Number two, what differentiates your brand from the next? Number three, what problems does your brand solve? Number four, why should people care about your brand? Why should, why should I care that you have a brand, right? See, these are all ideas that we can use to help inform the foundation of our branding through a tagline, a slogan, uh, vocals, messages, stories, visuals. This is why they have commercials, radio commercials, TV commercials. Right now, a study shows that 50% of consumers worldwide say that they now buy based on a company's brand values and impact. You know how much impact uh, um, Adidas had, Puma. Think about how much their brand awareness shot up when Nipsey Hussle passed away. Think about how much it shot up when Jay Z joined their brand. Right. It's brand awareness. So now you're aware of the people that are associated with the brand. You're aware of the brand. Because we was always aware of Puma. But you wasn't aware of who supported Puma. Who else fucked with Puma besides you? Right? So you have to use these ideas to inform your foundation of branding. Right? Now, there's something called the golden circle concept, right? And this can help identify the purpose behind any business or life, really, right? So the golden circle says that people don't buy what you buy. They buy what you do, right? The goal is not to do business with everybody that needs what you have. The goal is to do business with people who believe what you believe. It's the golden circle. It goes in the middle why, how, and what. So the three parts of the golden circle, right? The what is the product or the service. What do you offer to your customers, right? Then you have the how. And the how deals with how the things that you are essentially selling to the public differentiate you from your competition. How are you different from your competition, right? And then you have the why, of course. Why are you passionate? Why do you exist? Why should I buy from you? Right? Why should I do business with you? Okay? Number two, research your competitor brands within your industry. You must also know and always know who your competitors are. If you don't, then you fall behind the eight ball. So the goal is to differentiate from the competition. Convince the customer to purchase from you over that other person. And believe it or not, you may say, well, I don't, I don't do brand names. But you better know that there are things that you prefer in the marketplace over other things. For instance, if you prefer to go get your oil change in Chevy versus Walmart, then that means that you prefer the brand of Chevy versus Walmart. Why? Because they have built better brand equity with you. So you should never, ever, ever Imitate exactly what the big brands are, are doing in your industry. Never. 
right? You should always do your own thing, come up with your own ideas, maybe take a little bit here and there. But don't ever imitate that shit. See, the goal, like I said, is to be different. See, we're always thinking about how to make a brand stand out from what's already there already. Don't skip this step. You cannot skip this step, all right? Now, for a brand name to be effective, it needs to be easy for consumers to recognize and remember. McDonald's is easy. Taco Bell is easy. Burger King is easy. They slogans. What's Burger King slogan? The King of Burgers. You can have it your way. McDonald's over a billion served. Walmart everyday prices. I mean, you know, these are these are brands. These are big brands, by the way. You know, so creating a brand competitor is very important, right? Now, you got to do what's called a. a brand competitor spreadsheet, if you will, for yourself, right? And on this spreadsheet, you need to ask yourself some fundamental questions. And the first one is, is is the competitor consistent with messaging and visual identity across the board? Is my competitor consistent with their visual identity and their message across the board? Number two, what is the quality of the competitor's product, what's the quality of their service? Is my shit better or is my shit worse? Do I need to step my game up? Number three, does the competitor have customer reviews or social mentions? Are they are they big in the public? Right? Do they have things about their brand that I can read about that people don't like or that people do like? Number four. In what ways does the competitor market their business both online and offline? See, you got to choose a few competitors. You got to choose two to four competitors, right? That you can compare your business to. So, like I got a brother, right? He's selling seed bombs. A very good thing to sell. So I, I tasked that brother, brother, if you're listening, go compare your business to other people's business who are doing that. I know a brother that's at, that's out here. Um, he's selling automotive services. Brother, go task your automotive business to other people's automotive business. Make sure that you're looking at your brand. Because believe it or not, you are your brand. Okay? Number three, determine your brand's target audience. This is really important. Because <coughs> you got to know that the foundation for building a successful brand is determining your audience. It's like a rapper, right? A rapper knows when he's rapping, he's targeting a specific group of people. Seven-year-old white people ain't listening to Moneybag Yout. But niggas from the age of 15 to about 40 probably are. They live in a certain demographic, so you must know what your demographic are. Right Now, when brand building, keep in mind who exactly you're trying to reach because you're going to tailor your mission and your mission statement and your message to meet those exact needs. You must have a mission statement. It's really crucial to have a fucking mission statement okay? because when you're building your brand, you've got to keep in mind that the people that you're branding to are going to be the people who are going to keep coming back to you. So the key is let's get specific. Figure out the detailed behaviors 
and the lifestyles of your customers. Brother, that's selling CMOS. If you know that most of the people in your brand and your particular demographic are conscious or they're awake, so-called, and they're focused on their health, then you must get very specific about what those people are eating. What they're watching, what they're listening to. Right? Very important. Now, um, you know, I you know, I, I took a lot of courses on brand development early on. Yeah, so brand development to me is, you know, it, it hits close to home and I think it's one of those things where you have to brand the persona of the business as well as your product, right? So your brand buyer persona is going to deal with age. It's going to deal with gender. It's going to deal with location. It's going to deal with income. It's going to deal with education level. Okay? So to get more definition for your brand buyer persona, you got to dive into what motivates your people. You got to dive into the goals that your people have that are buying from you. You have to dive into uh, pain points, as they call it. You have to dive into influencers. Who else influences the brand? You have to dive into brand uh, affinities, right? So identifying the target audience for your service or your products is an exercise that will affect and benefit all areas of your brand building process overall, right? Now, so as a result, the determining the ideal audience for your business will support you overall, Right? Especially if you're building a digital brand. Right? It's an important first step. Now, number four, you got to establish a brand mission statement. And I just said this, and a mission statement is really crucial in whatever business you're in, whether it's unincorporated, it's incorporated, it's a nonprofit, whatever you're doing, you're building your brand. So you must have a mission statement. Right? Now, you have to have a um, clear expression of what your company is passionate about, right? This is your why and the reason why you get up every day. So before you can build a brand that your target audience will trust, you need to know what your values consist of. What are my values? Why does my brand have these values, right? So the mission statement basically defines the purpose for even existing in the first place. It will inform every other aspect of your brand building strategy. Literally. So everything from your logo to your tagline to your voice to your message and your personality should reflect your mission and your mission statement. It's one in the same. So when people ask you what you do, you answer them with the brand mission statement. <laughs> okay? Very important. Brand building examples. Let me give you some. What's Nike's brand building example? Uh, just do it. Right? Then their mission statement is to bring inspiration, innovation to every athlete in the world. That's a brand building statement. Right? So when you're branding your business, you start small and you remember to focus on your target niche audience. And then with time... You're going to build up some brand loyalty People who really fuck with your brand okay? Now, number five 
you got to outline the key qualities and benefits your brand offers to the world. See, there's always going to be brands with bigger budgets, more resources, more people working for them. But that don't mean shit because your brand may be exactly what everybody's looking for. Your products, your services, your benefits, all that belongs to you. So starting a brand is more memorable when you can dig deeper, when you can offer more, when you're offering what other people are not offering. So assume that you know exactly who your target audience is, give them a reason to choose your brand over the other brand. It's important to note this, right? Now, let me give you a few examples to think about here, right? Is your brand more authentic? Is it more transparent? Do you offer better customer service? Uh, is your brand more productive, right? Is it a better way to support your productivity in your brand? Are you reducing costs with more affordable options for your people? Are you saving time on a daily basis? Right? Now, let me give you a brand building example, right? Apple. Right, um, one of their key qualities is a clean design. Right, and they claim that their product is easy to use. Right, and they do unique packaging. And so, really, when you're buying an iPhone, you're not buying the phone. <laughs> you're buying the you're buying the brand. So, I don't know if you remember from 1997 to like 2002, Apple had the slogan "Think Different." Right. The slogan was Think Different. That was Steve Jobs' slogan. Think Different. Right? So, you need to think different in the words of Apple. Okay? Number six. Form your unique brand voice. Now, what, when I, what do I mean when I say that? Your voice is dependent upon your company's mission, your company's audience, and your company's industry. So, how do you communicate with customers and how do they respond to you? So, number one, a brand voice could be professional. It can be friendly. It can be service-oriented. It can be authoritative. It can be technical. It can be promotional. It can be conversational. It can be informative. I heard a, uh, a commercial yesterday uh, for, uh, uh, what, what was it? Um, Pepto, one of them Pepto-Bismol type things, right? Um, you know, the pink stuff that you drink when your stomach hurts, Right? And they were, and part of their brand development was they were thinking about diarrhea. We get rid of diarrhea. <laughs> I mean, and they said it so many times, I, it was stuck in my head. So part of their brand is that you know, hey, we get rid of diarrhea. It's an endless adjective, and, and the possibility that they branded their particular brand on a friendly note. It was a little bit service-oriented. They tried to keep it somewhat professional, but it was informative as hell. Hey, we get rid of diarrhea. Right? So, particularly, this is important because they're connecting with the customer. You got to connect with your customer. Okay? Number seven, let your brand personality shine. Customers ain't looking for uh, a, a cookie-cutter program 
right? They're looking for an experience tailored to their needs that's backed by genuine personal interactions. You understand? So you got to be consistent with the brand personality across all points of time, Jack. So it could be as simple as a conversational voice and communicating, using I, using you, sharing behind-the-scenes content, telling stories about the brand, describing your products, your services, right? All of that is going to help you to let the personality of not only you as the owner and those who work with you shine, but the actual brand itself is brand development, right? Number eight. Build a brand story and messaging. So when you build a brand, tell customers succinctly who you are. Use the business voice that you've chosen for the brand. Your message should be uh, intrinsically associated with your brand. Like I said before, who are you? What do you offer? Why people should care? All of that's important. So a brand story is an opportunity to communicate with people on a human level. Right? It makes a direct emotional connection with your customer, right? So what does this mean? Well, anytime that you strike an emotional connection, you're striking what's known as an emotional core. So make it simple, make it clear. And most importantly, with creating a brand story, address not what your product can do or why your product is important to your customer. Okay? Now, um, there was a brand called Tom's Shoes, right? And they, you know, Tom's Shoes, I remember Tom's Shoes had a shoe store way back in the day, but they clearly defined their message, right? Um, and and then their message says, improving lives. With every product you purchase, Tom's will help a person in need one for one, right? Uh, Warby Parker, they did the same thing, right? So for every eyeglasses that you purchased, a pair of eyeglasses was donated. So your company can, can, can say, look, for every product that you purchase, we give one away. That helps you to develop your brand, right? So the story of your brand is actually carried out through um, a touching point to the consumer. So a lot of times people will buy from your brand because you're doing something to help human- humanity, right? You have a humanitarian purpose for your brand. And it's actually really important to have some type of humanitarian purpose for your brand. A lot of people can appreciate that. You'd be surprised who does business with you because you do that. Okay? Number nine, create a brand logo and a tagline. So when you think about how to build a brand, you need to think about the visuals, right? Because we haven't even talked about, uh, you know, the, the really the, the, the intimate intricacies of the brand building process, which will we'll continue to build on over the next couple of weeks, right? But one of those things is the logo, right? So the logo is going to appear on everything that relates to your business. It will become your identity. It's going to become your calling card. It is the visual recognition. A lot of times people put visuals um, in their logo, right? It's the energy thing, and it draws people in, actually. So be willing to invest the time and the money to create something exceptional to reinforce the visual identity for your business. Now, I'll just take the time to put this out there. If anybody needs help with that, reach out to me and I'll connect you with the right person to help you build your brand. I have several people who do that. 
Okay? Really important. So create yourself a tagline. Brand your business, right? You need to get with a branding agency. I work with some of the best branding agencies. I, I will be happy to hook y'all up with them. Just reach out to me. Right? So a strong brand will include the following things. Are you ready? A logo. A color palette. Um, a typography in the font. A iconography. A photography. And web elements. You got to have a good website. Right? Number 10. You need to integrate your brand into every aspect of your business. Your brand should be visible and reflected in everything that your customer can see, can read, can hear, or that they talk about when it comes to your brand. Somebody somebody says, hey, man, you should go check out so-and-so. As soon as they go to your site, they should know that it's your site, without a doubt. Right? So if a client walks into your office or a customer walks into your store, your brand image should be on display both in the environment and with personal interactions. This is why when you go places... Like Best Buy, everybody got on a Best Buy shirt. Well, when you go to Whataburger, right, in California, the Whataburgers, everybody got on the Whataburger shirts and the hats. You know where you at. Okay. Brand development, man, it, it is huge. All right. Now, 11, you got to stay true brand building. So unless you decide to change your brand into something that's more effective based, right, you must be consistent. Consistency is the key. So once you establish a brand voice, you got to use it for every piece of content that you create. Document all of the brand guidelines you create and then distribute internally for reference. So you got to let your, your not only your customers know, but you got to let the people know who's working for you. Hey, we're building a brand here. Either you get with it or you get lost. Right? So what what good is building a brand if you're not consistent with it? Don't constantly change your branding. The inconsistency of uh, changing a brand will confuse the customers. And it's going to make long-term brand building more difficult. So brand building, let's think about Starbucks, right? Starbucks is one of the world's leading coffee brands. What's their mission statement? To inspire and nurture the human spirit. One person, one cup, one neighborhood at the top. And they got that little chick with the crown on her head, and it's green. They Every store you go into is the same. If you're from the Midwest or the down south, you know what Quick Trip is. Quick Trip is a gas station. That shit is the same everywhere you go. Right? So you have to be your brand's biggest advocate when nobody else is standing up for the brand. You got to establish a personal brand. You have to align yourself with the brand. Okay? Very important. All right. So with that being said, um, we're not going to go too much into this tonight because this is going to lead us into um, more shows. And and I've got next week I'm going to be bringing on – actually, we had to reschedule our guests. So next week we will be bringing our guest on. And she's going to come in and talk about some branding things. She's a publicist. And I want to make sure that y'all – have the opportunity to discuss things with her, ask her questions, right, and maybe get um, some further knowledge on this branding thing. All right, so we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, answer some calls, and uh, you right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. I'm your host, Joey Bounce, but we'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. 
and I know a lot of people misunderstood it, so I want you to be able to say it. Um, I think it was Details Magazine. You talked about, you used the word God, and that's what messed everybody up. But you said you, something to the effect, you were a self-made God. Explain it. Um, I made up my mind to make a change in my life when I was 16 years old. We are all gods on this planet, every man and every woman. We create life. We can take life. We control what goes into the sea, whether the fish can live or not. We decide if the trees can grow tall. We decide if the children will eat. We are very powerful beings on the planet Earth. And when I said a self-made God, I meant just what I said. Barry White changed his life. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Yeah. And people criticize the statement? No, not to my knowledge. It's the first yeah. time I'm hearing about it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, people tend to play down our power. Mm-hmm. Well, don't worry about it. This next guy do it unless there's God above to do it. There's a lot of things that has to change on this planet Earth that only we can change. And until we embrace the fact that we are as powerful uh, as we are as beings, we're going to continue to make the mistakes and allow the mistakes to be made from our children to our adults to our elderly to whatever situation you want to talk about. Okay, we, we got to run to a quick commercial, and they're going to do a cut from the album, and we're waiting for an Isaac Hayes album soon. You sure can invite him. Right. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> To the new Evolution Radio Network, where the evolution is the revolution. All right, all right, all right. Peace to the gods. We back. We right here on uh, Saturday Bob on the New Evolution Radio Network. Today we're talking about branding and building your brand. And this will be part one of a probably a three-part series over the next couple of weeks that we're going to be, uh, you know, giving you strategies to build the brand. So just to recap what we talked about tonight, right, because I want to make sure that we're very clear um, on what branding is, right, and brand equity and things of that nature. We went over 11 steps tonight to help you out. So number one, discover the purpose behind your brand. Okay. Number two, research your competitor brands within your industry. Number three, determine your brand's target audience. Right? Really important. Know who your audience is. Number four, establish a mission statement for your brand. Number five, outline the key qualities and the benefits your brand offers. Number six, form your unique voice in your brand. Okay? Number seven, let your brand personality shine. Don't be afraid to get out there. Right? Number eight, build a brand story. Have some type of story for your brand, right? And let people know this is our story. This is what we stand for. This is how we got here. Number nine, Create a brand logo and a tagline. You need a logo. If you don't have a logo, holler at me. We'll get you a logo. But you need a logo. Okay? 
Number 10, integrate your brand into every aspect of your business. Every aspect, right? Number 11, stay true to your brand building. Number 12, well, number 12 is go back to number one. Build a brand. Okay? So with that said, let's go to the call lines to take some calls. We'll go to 313-590. Hello, hello. All right. Let's go to 602-396. You're on the line. Yeah, peace to the God. What's up, God? Peace to the God. Yeah. Uh, I'm wonderful, magnificent, great. So happy that large sums of money keep coming to me fast and easily. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And yes. they will. Yep, yep. But I want to touch on a few things, uh, especially uh, it was probably a show, maybe not the last show. The last show was um, um, on um, uh, something else, but the show before that, I think you had a uh, radio uh, dude on, guy on. And yep. he was speaking about yep. how he was doing basically favors uh, yep. to get his brand yep. out there like he would do stuff for people at no charge. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I, that's how I had a little landscaping um, that I had started off. And uh, that's how I got booming. I basically was doing stuff for people, certain people at no charge or a little bit of nothing. Through landscaping. It, it took off. Yep, through doing that in the landscaping right. way. So you got the uh, word right of mouth brand. You yep, built your yep. brand equity up the word of mouth. Yeah. Real power. Yeah, good good people, good deals, doing good jobs. And they telling me uh, telling a friend and you know, that she know I'm getting jobs that I probably wouldn't even been able to, to get if I wouldn't uh had did what I did, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Now now you know it's funny 'cause you I'm I'm glad you came on. Why don't you um go ahead and plug your business? Um, so people know how to get a hold of you and what your product is. Oh, okay. Yeah, you talking about the up and coming, the new one, uh, the Moore's R Us, uh-huh. uh, uh-huh. the C We got the C yep. on the site. We're gonna have a uh, turpentine on there too, so you'll be able to grab C Moss. Uh, it's really C Moss gel. I'm gonna have Iris right uh, raw Iris C Moss on there also, uh, so people can grab it and make their own, do it however they want to do it. Um, but it's uh, let me get the website from my uh, wife. What's the website? Moore's R Us, cmossdale.org. Give it to us one more time. Yes, Moore's R Us, cmossdale.org. Moore's R Us, cmossdale.org. Yes, sir. And we're yeah. revamping the yeah, site yeah, so people will be able to place your order. Yep. So we we uh we getting the site right so people will be able to place their orders. Uh, we we'll get it shipped right to them. Be up and running yep. by in the morning. Now let me ask you because since we're talking about yeah. branding tonight, uh, what steps are you taking in your own business to build your brand awareness and your brand development? Um. Yeah, now, first we had to start off with having a good product, you know. So mm-hmm. once we 
marketed with having a good product. It was just putting our putting it out there. We have been using it for years before we started marketing that out there to people. So people had already been like, hey, what y'all taking and stuff like that. So it was kind of like easy to get it out there once we, people had already kind of knew we was on it. They just didn't know that it was something that they could just take as easily as they can do. Exactly. And it had now, all the have benefits you established, that it, um, Have you established a mission statement for your brand? Uh, yeah, well, uh, in the sense of letting them know why we got established, um, how we came about, and all of that, yes. Hello? Yes. Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Sorry about that. Yes, it's yeah, so in the, in, Yeah, in the sense of um, how we came about, you know, what we stand for, all that is it's on there. It's a little like a paragraph or two white people put together. But in, that's a, in that sense. That's excellent. So what would you say so um, for anybody that's listening uh, is is the, the, the foundational principles of of what your product is, you know, and, and what can your product do for them? Say that one more time. If I was if I was a new client and I just came to you and I and I say to you, brother, what can your product do for me? What would you tell me? What's in my product for you? If you was a new yeah, customer, yeah. Well, well, yeah. If I was a new customer. Right, and, and this is this is part of of the branding aspect we're talking about tonight. But if I was, oh, if yeah, I was yeah. a, a new customer, and I said, "How can your product help me?" What would, what would you? Oh tell yeah, me? I say you probably been mineral uh, mineral um, deficient for years. Seamoss uh, has ninety two of the hundred and two minerals that your body's supposed to pertain on a daily basis. Uh, so this will help you uh, start to rejuvenate your body and get it back to where you need it to be. If that's where you're trying to go. In the health field. Excellent, excellent. That's most excellent. Now, now tell us what people who are looking. What is your product expensive? Is it is it is it reasonably priced at the market? Is it easy for us to find it somewhere else? What separates your brand from other brands? Um, well, mine. I have the right now. We have the four ounce jars. It's actually the the Seamoss gel uh, for ten ten dollars, and then we have the fifteen. Uh, we have the eight ounce jars um, of the CMOS gel for fifteen dollars. Okay. Um, I feel, and I feel like our product is basically a hundred percent CMOS gel. It don't have nothing else added into it. Just distilled water and agave. Um, but that's it. I soak okay. it overnight uh, for um, anywhere from twelve to eighteen hours, and um, distilled okay. water, cinnamon sticks, and limes. Oh, nice. And that's yeah, for the gel, right? Yeah, that's for the gel. Because when you first get it, it has, like, sand and stuff on it from the ocean. So you got to clean it and mm-hmm. soak it to take away the smell and all of the stuff that's on it. So that's all the that's taking process it. for. Yeah, get that bitter taste away. Yeah, that's excellent. I, you know, what's funny is is that does separate your brand. Because I know a lot of people don't don't actually uh, clean their sea moss when they sell it. A lot of people just sell it straight up raw. So I'm sold already. Yeah, we got to clean some it. brand we awareness keep... tonight, brother. Yep, yep. And since you've been taking it, man, you get a lot more energy. You get the uh, if you're having problems with your digestive, it's to help you out getting uh, getting the uh, colon cleaned and all of that stuff, man. Help your colon get the flowing. 
with some other things, not just the steam off. Uh, there's other things people will have to take with things, you know, to uh, get them where they need to be. Hopefully they be mm-hmm. smart enough to do the research and get to right. that perfect exactly. health. You know, so we can exactly. all uh, go to this, uh, get in our new bodies that we about to obtain, you know, go to this next level, man. To that, to that life body state. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, brother, do you, you have um, any other business out there um, that, that we should know about in terms of any, any, any branding or any businesses that you're currently working on? Um, not off the, not that's about to be up and running as much as I want to pump into this team off, uh, in the okay. turpentine. Okay. Well, you're more than welcome anytime you, you know, if you got any businesses that you want to push, come on, come on the radio and make sure that we push them for you. Okay. Oh yeah. You already know I'm here. I'm tuning in, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything you want to add? Um, uh, not off the top of the head, man. I'm just uh, tuning in. All I wanted to say was about that plug in there with uh, how uh, doing. If you is starting up uh, your business, don't forget about them favors and and branching out and helping uh getting them spirits to help you by doing good deeds. Man, it's such it's such a big thing to do, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and it, and it helps to create. That equity in your brand, that that trust level with people. Yes, sir. And getting that brand, we logoed up too, so we we all we got all of that stuff too. I'm gonna say too. Ours is a little more as a rust symbol. Yeah. Yup. Yup. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. That's what's up. Well, um, drop the website for us again, brother, in case somebody missed it. It's uh, Moore's R Us Seamoss Jail. Dot org Moore's R Us Seamoss Jail dot org yes Moore's R Us Seamoss alright that's what's up make sure y'all go holler at this brother man go get Seamoss man cause I'm definitely gonna do that myself alright good looking out man absolutely God thank you brother All right, let's go to um, let's go to two eight zero uh three one four two eight zero. Peace to the God, peace to the God, peace God, peace to the God. It What's is, going it on, is brother? so it is it is so magnificent and wonderful that the brother is following my consciousness, the heroic consciousness, in helping the community because we're here to I make agree. the world a better place. We're here exactly. to make the world exactly a better right. place. That's our energy. Our energy has yep. to make the world a better place. All right? And, and you focus on that, and it's about giving service and making another individual conscious of, 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 of the energy that they have. And it's so, it's just so profound. And, and I thank you, brother, and I will... Uh, 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 begin in contact with you, but could you spell that out for me? Because I really I didn't get the 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 spelling of it. I, can you spell it out? Can you spell your website out? Well, I want. I got your mic open. You can spell it out for us. Six zero two three nine six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do it? Yep, M O O 
R S R U S G E L C Moss Jail dot org. So it's M O O R S R U S C E A M O S S. Um, Jill, that's G-E-L dot org. Okay, all right. Thank you, my brother. Okay. Yeah, because I got it. And I'll spell it one more time, uh, just in case anybody missed it. It's M-O-O-R-U-S-S-E-A-M-O-S-S-G-E-L dot org. Yeah, because my auntie, she just, she just got through with that chemo, and she really needs this. She just she really she she really needs this one, brother. You just don't know how many people in the universe needs your energy, you know. And, and, and it, 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 you mean because they got us, they got we we got to build our health up. Jonah and and and, and Joey was talking about, you know, uh, uh, we got to really focus on our health, you know. Regardless of anything else, we got we 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 got to get our health together. And, and exactly. with with this biochemistry bio shit that they pulling down on us, I'm military. I'm a Vietnam veteran. I already know how they get down. You know? So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's very important that we focus on this, on, on our health. See, because, you know, they, they we, we already got them with the trust, but if we ain't got our health, we can't pass it on. We can't pass it on. If you if you if you if you if you in bad shape and and your health all messed up, you ain't you ain't thinking about that. You thinking of, you, you you can't pass it on. There's no possible way that for it to happen. See, and, and, and you know they go they 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 try to hit us from both angles. You know they play chess and shit with us. But if we get our health together, man, we can. Our brain, our heart, our spirit will move, and and we would checkmate their ass every time. You can't every checkmate their ass if your health ain't right. You can't checkmate them. You can't checkmate them. You can't checkmate them. You know, they play too many wicked games. You can't do it. You gotta, you gotta, your, our health is so important man it is it is it is it is the essence of everything you know because if you're brain dead you can't do shit you can't do <laughs> nothing you can't do nothing you know you can't do nothing and that's what they doing man they 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 you know, it, it, it's terrible, man. It's terrible. And we got to be, we got to, we got to be conscious, man, what's going on. Stop. We wearing the damn masses, but we ain't taking care of our damn health. You know, we ain't doing mm-hmm. shit. That's true. For our health. Very true. You know, we just walking around with a fucking mask on our motherfucking face, and we ain't doing shit for our health. <laughs> Ain't nothing. nobody doing nothing for their health. They still eating Chick Fil A and it's and terrible, around, man. It's the terrible. Liquor store and everything it's else. It's terrible. It is terrible. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I see people seventy, eighty years old 
can't even breathe wearing a mask, going to the grocery store, buying food, getting on a bus, just trying to just trying to survive. And and these wicked ass people, man, don't tell you about your health. Don't tell you they tell you about wearing a damn mask, but they'll tell you about that people. All right, they don't tell you nothing. The doctor Savy put out there in the universe that mucus is the only disease. They don't tell you this shit. They promote a business, a, a business man. Anywhere you go, you gotta buy a damn mask. Why can't anywhere you go, you buy you some sea moss? Well, well, you know, the thing about it is, is you know, this, this, unfortunately, unless they're selling your pharmaceuticals, there ain't no money in healing. So they got a vested interest not to tell you about your health. You know, right. and that's I why we need brothers, we, you know, who, who, who are in business, yeah, like, like this brother to sell seed malls, you know, you know and, 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 he's selling over here on the side of the herbs, you know. So we making sure that, that we kind of touch us on all bases, on all fronts. Yeah, but it's terrible. It's terrible, Jody. You know, and, and we gotta, we gotta keep. You gotta keep that form going and pump that shit up, like just like they pump that mask up. What we need to keep ourselves healthy. All right, because there's no a war going on. It's a civil war going on, man. This ain't, this ain't nothing to play. Oh, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's it's real. You know, and people taking it lightly, but you know, you know, Mother Nature, you know, we get ready going to to the cold area. You know, it's fourth season, and, and, and it's gonna clean out everything that motherfucker. If the motherfucker health ain't up to par, they gonna fall. Yeah, it's, right gonna, it's gonna. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, what you're witnessing is. It is a true pandemic. I mean, you know, and it's a, and it's on a spiritual level and a health level, you know. And, and if you ain't ready when the time comes, you're gonna see even more people die. You know, you ain't seen nothing. Yeah, more. yeah, you're gonna be eliminated, man. It, 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 it's a genocide, man. These mother wicked motherfuckers, man. It, it's terrible, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I thank you for the forum, and I thank you, brother, welcome, for brother. you know. You know, uh, uh, having the courage to present yourself and give that love to the universe and make the universe a better place, man. For these are wicked motherfuckers, man, out here. Yeah, absolutely. It, and we appreciate your brother Taiwan too for for dropping that that website so we can go get some of that healing. Thank you, brother. Yeah. All oh, right. Thank you, my brother. Man. Okay. Peace, God. Peace, God. All right, let's go to 202251. Peace to the God, Joey. How you doing today, brother? Peace, God. Good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well. I just kind of wanted to um, kind of touch on some of the stuff that you were talking about. This is uh, it's interesting because I, I was uh, working on developing, uh, I guess it's brand awareness, but I was working on de- developing the logos. Uh, Okay, good. For uh, name uh, names I've I've created, you know, uh, but something struck me when you were talking about the brain, and we were talking about because uh, you made a comment about uh, frosted flakes as opposed yes. to the 
to the to the other brands. The and sugar flakes, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, we we don't really understand the colors and things that are associated with uh, the brands and why they why they would change. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. They, because huge, right? Because they right because they affect you in a certain way. And I wanted to reflect on the frosted flakes. Okay. So if everybody remembers. This a blue box, right? Well, yes, it is with orange on it. Right, because the tiger's orange. So that Mm -hmm. that box, when you see it, it reflects strength and confidence. And those are the colors that they use. And 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 the orange with the confidence, he's talking about it's great. And that's that's the that's the tagline. That's the branding. And and when you see that box, or when you see Tony, th- that's what you think of is stuck in your mind. But but it's also associated yep. when we see those colors together. That's uh, strength and confidence. Uh, yep. And then you think about the tiger, and that automatically takes your mind to to the fierceness of a tiger. Mm-hmm. Because 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 uh, I guess those cats kind of exude that confidence thing too. That's right. Um, um, I, and I, I guess it made me also think of uh, the cream of wheat box, also. Um, yep, yep. Red, red, red signifies boldness, and uh, and then you have the chef in the white coat, and that's to balance. So they talk about balanced breakfast and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And whether it's true or not, see, we we got to understand psychology of some of this stuff. Oatmeal. Yeah, it's, it's remember got, the old bill with, with the captain on it. With the captain on it, okay. So you got uh, that's the red. That's the, red. Uh, that's the uh, the the bold and and yep. um, I guess a bold, youthful, and and health and the strength from the from the blue because I think it's it's a red and blue background yep. behind the Quaker. Sure is. Sure is. Yeah. So, so you got bold and gray. Kind of, uh, yeah, so they got that um, that scenario going on, um, but yeah, that's like so. Some of those things uh, need to be, uh, I guess, conscious of when we thinking about branding. So I do, um, like I do deliveries also. So I guess my thing is is uh, I want one of my customers to be confident in uh, um, my reliable service. So, mm-hmm. um, so when they see my thing, I, I, I use the blue and the orange in my thing as well, because I, because uh, yep. exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm there, I'm, I'm there on time. I, uh, that guy's dependable. So, uh, like when you uh, talk about last mile service, and then you show up in the snow and the rain. The other one, uh, uh, and a lot, I guess some of that stuff I learned from UPS while I was there, and and. And uh, let's see, their color that 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 uh, I've been looking to kind of find what the brown represented. Uh, I think that has more to do with earth and just being solid, that brown. But the gold is gives people it, it signifies clarity for people. And that's right. Some boys is always family. Right. Yeah, so. So that's one of the things we need to consider when we uh looking at some of this stuff. And I thought that was interesting that you brought this topic up while I'm uh, I'm uh 
doing a little search on this. Man, sometimes it'd be right on time, don't it? It's crazy. <laughs> right, it's right it's on, crazy. It'd be right on time. Right man. on time. But, you know, I, now, now I just found this, and I'll read it. It says that red stands for passion, excitement, and anger. It can signify importance and command attention. Orange exactly. stands for playfulness, vitality, and friendliness. It is invigorating and evokes energy. Uh, yellow evokes happiness, youth, and optimism, but can also seem attention-grabbing or affordable. Uh, green evokes stability, prosperity, growth, and connection to nature. Mm-hmm. Light blue uh, exudes tranquility, trust, openness. It also signifies innocence. Dark blue uh, stands for professionalism, security, and formality. It's a, a mature and trustworthy color. Purple mm-hmm. signifies his royalty, creativity, and luxury. Pink stands for femininity, youth, and innocence. It ranges from modern to luxurious. Brown creates rugged, earthly, or old-fashioned looks or, or moods. <laughs> uh, white evokes cleanliness, virtue, health, simplicity. It can range from affordable to high-end. Uh, gray stands for neutrality. It can look subdued, classic, serious, mysterious or mature and finally black evokes powerful sophisticated edgy luxurious and modern feelings you see very cool so it's really mm-hmm. interesting when very you bring, cool. when you when you brand building all of the different shit in a brand that can actually evoke different feelings from people we don't even right. realize this and shit I, half the time right and i was going to say that we, we need to understand that that just by a person seeing that Subconsciously, you grab onto those colors and they, and they exude those energies. Yep. It's, like, it's just like sunlight. It's a, spect- it's a spectrum. All the colors are there. We just don't. We just can't. The, the eyes, the naked eye, just can't pull them in. But you yeah, see them in the rainbow. Yep, stuff exactly. When they pop out. Yep, yep. And, and it's funny because yeah. subconsciously, uh, you'll you'll see something on a billboard pass by it, and it will subconsciously. Evoke a certain emotion, and you don't even know it's being evoked out of you. All of a sudden, you'd be hungry exactly. or thirsty, and don't even know why. Because it'd be a billboard you saw five minutes earlier with Sprite with a green bottle on it. Mm-hmm. Quench your thirst. Exactly. Yeah, you you saw it, but you uh, you weren't paying attention to it, but your subconscious mm-hmm. picked it up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's really powerful. Just uh, I got programming. I, I was gonna say because uh, we because uh, that goes to programming. If I would challenge most of, most of our, uh, your listeners, just to, uh, there's a uh, it's a uh, I think it's YouTube a YouTube channel, and it's and it, and it specifically is directed at us. So it's called uh, uh, his channel is called War on the Horizon, and the brother did. A video called The Poltergeist in Entertainment We really okay. need to check that out um, it's, uh, Yeah Poltergeist War on the Horizon in, War on the Horizon And the specific video I mean he's got a, a lot of good content But that specific one Speaks directly to us And if you want to know why we uh, Some of the Some of the things that we do And uh, Because it's a program that's running, and I and, and I super appreciate what you and Jonah do because y'all are doing exactly what needs to be done to break the program. 
Oh, absolutely. Because we wanted, because most of us, the, 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 uh, the other brothers were just speaking, I feel where he is, but if, 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 if we go watch and just study what this other brother put out there, uh, they call him the irritated gene, but if you watch that, you understand and you see the crazy part is we see these characters in our neighborhood and it was something that was mm-hmm. created for us back in the 1800s. Yep. Yep. They've been running yep. that program exactly. on us. And, if, uh, yep. uh, and I think I found it because one day um, I was just, you know, talking with some brothers and I was like, man, why is it that all the craziness that goes on that we always the tar- we are always the target. And um, yeah, it well, well say, a lot of times they're just using our shit against us. It, it, correct. So so the program that we're running on, it looks like it's us now, because the program is running so long, so everybody can take their hands off. And say, oh, they know us. Look at them. Look how they act. That's how they dress. That's how they are. But but we don't even realize it's a program that's running, just like in the Matrix. You can either take the red pill or the blue pill. On the blue page, you can go exactly. To, you can do, so yeah. it's short. Yeah. yeah. So I I I, I encourage uh, the folks that new listeners, new listeners, get on with the mantras, uh, say your affirmations, all that stuff every day, because you you and 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 because of what you guys are doing, it's going to change their whole vibration. And um and um I mean it's it's uh. I guess because we all say, I think we all say that every every day, and it's like I think I told uh, you and Jonah this before. Is now I got people greeting me the same way we, we greet each other. So it's uh, it, it's like yeah, you know what's cool. funny it's just is that I, you know what's funny around. people heard me saying it so long. People heard me saying it so long. Niggas started greeting me the same way. Peace God. Exactly. <laughs> and and, and yeah. at first they would be laughing. And then it got to where they were just doing it on a regular basis. You know, exactly. and I'm like, oh, okay, you started to understand your own divinity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I got a, a chance to talk to uh, a younger brother. Um, uh, he, yeah, he's going through a, a lot of challenges with, uh, you know, uh, um, it's something that you guys play in, and and it's a lot of this music that the younger kids are listening to, and it's mm-hmm. um, I think we get a different message from it, but the kids get the opposite uh, message. Um, it's uh, it's Drake and Future, so they talking about how great the day is, but when you uh, and I think we pick up on that part, right? Because our vibration is a little mm-hmm. higher, so we pick up on the the, the, uh, the good day part. But the good day that these guys are talking about for these kids, our kids. Is uh, what do they call it? Lean, uh, drinking lean, uh, oh, drinking lean, yes, with, sir. Yeah, it's 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 a mixture of it's a Jolly Rancher, uh, codeine, Sprite, a cough, cough syrup, and something else with yeah, Sprite mm-hmm. and something mm-hmm. else. Sprite, yeah, codeine, cough syrup, yep. There you go. And then they got the, and then it was something else he threw in there, and I'm like, damn. Because we vibe off of it because that music or the beats and all that thing, the rhythms and everything, draw us in. Mm-hmm. And we pick mm-hmm. up on that, oh, man, it's a great day. It's a great day to be here. Yeah, that's cool. 
But then when you listen to what they're saying, they're speaking all this negative programming. That, and like I said, check out that war on the rise and then you'll understand. So we need to be continue to do what we're doing and then get our, our kids talking about what they really want to be talking about and not that stuff. Because they're they, they doing exactly. that move. Cause they think that's where they want to be, but they don't have to do that to be there. And, uh, yeah. No, they so, don't so, at all. Uh, at, yeah. at all. Yeah. You know, so, that, it's so funny because you, you can almost consider that to be brand development or brand awareness because they're creating awareness uh, for a certain brand with these songs, with this music. Absolutely. You know? So you got Absolutely. you got to be careful Absolutely. even in that realm how you pushing your brand because you because you can either positively affect somebody or negatively affect them. Right, and and everything that these uh, this, the industry um, is doing. I so I had this similar uh, a similar experience when I was younger. And I was like, because how is somebody outside my community going to tell me I don't know what's happening in the streets, and I should be singing certain stuff in my music. So. I'm like, mm. So, hmm. it's it's it's, defi- well, it's definitely there. Yeah, I've always believed that. No, I've always believed that 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 the you know the streets, uh, you know, what you hear in rap music a lot of times does speak for the streets, and because the streets are a brand in itself, you know that that represents a group of mm-hmm. people. You know, and, and mm-hmm. so a lot of times, like I said, even with the music, man, we have to be so cognizantly aware of what we're listening to, what we're taking into our subconscious, how we are taking that and then uh, uh, reciprocating that back to the world. Right. Yeah, even in music. Right. Absolutely. Cause, uh, um, I think Jimmy Hendrix was the one uh, that said uh, music can speak to everybody without you speaking a word. So yeah. it's that True power. Story. Yeah, true story. It really is. Yes, Thanks. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate, so appreciate you calling, you, A lot of powerful things Absolutely. you said. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. All right. And we will wrap later, brother. Absolutely, God. We'll talk soon. Thank you, brother. Right. Peace. Yes, sir. Peace. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. I see uh, a couple more people with their hands up. Uh, keep it locked. We're going to come right back and take y'all calls. You sitting right here on New Evolution Radio Network, Saturday Vibe, Entrepreneur Hour. We'll be right back.
Revolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L. Where remedy meets preparation. Okay, okay, okay. We back. Let's go to nine one three seven five two Kansas. You on the line? Yeah, Kansas. Young blood here. KCK. Peace. How you doing, my brother? Hey man, uh, Vietnam veteran. Man, I ain't know nobody else out there a Vietnam veteran. I, I need to speak to that yeah. brother. I need. Hey, on, we a, need. I'm we a, need to talk. Uh, I'll, man. Put, I'll put the brother in. Here you go. Three one four.
Part 4 Trust webinar is now available. If you want to get your hands on it, if you missed the live recording, you can now get a copy with documents on the website, all right? MakeMoreCommerce.com. Uh, if you need an executive letter, you can also holler at me. Um, and if you need to set up a consultation, I'll also be over there. You can holler at me over there at MakeMoreCommerce.com. Make sure you show the brother John Bay some love over at JohnTheBay.com. And uh, we got a lot of great things coming to you. We'll be in Miami uh, for our next seminar. So I look forward to seeing y'all there. Make sure y'all come out. Make sure y'all look out for the uh, for the tickets. All right? Get your asses down there and come get some sun. All right? With that being said, man, I'm up out of here. I think that we, um, you know, I'm like I said, we don't need to say no more. We don't need to say no more. All right? So I'm going to say peace to the gods. I'll see y'all tomorrow. I'm going to leave you with this clip, and we're up out of here. Uh, do the rich people cringe and say, don't tell them that, Rob? Yes, yes, yes. Don't tell people what, they, what you know. Right. Keep them poor. The moment I pay you, you think like an employee. The moment you accept the paycheck, your brain goes dead. That's the trap. Entrepreneurs work for free. As long as you're hungry, you'll think. The school system was designed to teach you to be an employee or a doctor or a lawyer, a specialist, but never about money. The poor will always be amongst us because it starts up here. It's, it's in their words, you know, and the words become flesh. But when they say, I can't afford it or I can't do that, they go down. They become what they say. And I meet so many people, I, don't, I can't afford it, you think I'm made of money? My PhD dad, he says, what do you think I am, made of money? I can't afford that. And my rich dad would say, that's why he's poor. Poor people say, I can't afford it, I can't do that, I don't have time. Because this is an escape. It's an escape, you know what I mean? It's easy to say, I can't afford it. Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I can't go to the gym. You know, when you could go to the gym, no, I can't. Truth is, I'm just too lazy to go to the And your rich dad used to say what instead of, I can't afford it? How can I afford it? How can I do that? A question opens a mind, a statement closes the mind. So when you say, I can't afford it, the mind shuts down. And you become what you say. People right now who are sitting at home <clears throat> who are struggling financially or worried about money or unhappy, they may be making a lot of money, but unhappy with what they're doing. It was probably taught to you. You know, your super ego was taught, get a job, work hard, or you'll, or you'll never be rich, or the rich are evil, or whatever. Poverty is passed on. It's taught in your families. And middle class is taught in families. And until you change your mindset, Correct. money won't help you, right? Correct. And we see that with people that win the lottery, people that make more money, they still have the same problem. Right. Because they have that poor man's soul. Correct. If you're poor, you'll always be poor. It's really hard for people to understand. Yeah, the money will disappear that fast. Just like most pro athletes, you know, they make millions of dollars and what, 65% are bankrupt five years later? It's because they come from poor families. But unfortunately, what Mr. Lipton was saying, it's passed down genetically. That's the frightening thing. If you don't want to learn it, I can't help you.
You know, I have bad luck too. I've, I've had financial crashes. I've had people stab me in the back. But they're all good because I grow from it. That's spirituality. You know, people who are afraid of making mistakes like they teach in school, they don't ever grow. Because spirituality is there's good and there's bad, there's right and there's wrong, there's up and there's down. Most people only want to be right, they only want to be positive. Well, you can't have that, that's not reality. And the average person, the reason they're poor is they haven't failed. You know, they play it so safe, they haven't made any mistakes like they taught in school, that means they don't learn anything. That's why the school system is actually fundamentally corrupt. It's anti-education. But the average guy is standing there, oh, I'm an A student, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do this all on myself. And a, and a bunch of rugby players run you over and you go, well, they're not playing fair. Yeah, well, you're, not, you're playing stupid. You should have a team. You should have accountants, attorneys, and bankers and all that stuff. But that's not the game I want to play. I said, then don't play the game. You know, the, the game of business is played with accountants, attorneys, bankers, hate to say it, politicians. You know, you've got to know the game. You know, people say, well, money is not that important to me. Then if money is not that important to you, money is not important to you. I mean, you know what I mean? I don't care about money. The money doesn't care about you. You know, it, the word does become flesh. Or I'll never be rich. Or the favorite one is the rich are greedy. It's the poor that are greedy. You know, if you think about it, because to be rich, you have to give something. You know, you have to, I, I have to produce books and games and I... I purchase real estate, I provide housing, provide jobs and all that. That's why I'm rich. But greedy people produce nothing. You know, Einstein said, you know, imagination is more important than knowledge. But knowledge empowers imagination. And what most people lack is real business knowledge. Like accounting. You know, like debt, like taxes. You gotta know that stuff but they don't teach it in school to anybody. You see, most teachers in school, they're out of ethics. They teach subjects they, don't, they themselves don't practice because I understand what a fake teacher is. A fake teacher is somebody who just wants a job and they'll teach anything. You know, they teach how to shine shoes if you pay them more money. But they really don't know what they're teaching. In life, one of the things I suggest to people, you've got to find a real teacher versus a fake teacher. And a fake teacher is somebody who doesn't do what they teach. And a real teacher is doing what they teach every day. Our school systems are making our students weaker. So in school, they have these things called now trigger effects. So you can't, as a teacher, you can't say anything that might upset the student. They don't want anything that might jar their point of view. You see, people say, well, why don't you give the poor money? The only problem with that is it just creates more poor people. Give a man know. a fish, he fishes for the day, or eats for the day. Yeah, you give a man a fish, you get a lot of people who want more fish, you know. But you teach them to fish. We become creatures of our own habits. And until we break the habit, we don't change. Our schools don't teach that. Our schools teach almost the exact opposite of that. And the average person, the reason they're poor is they haven't failed. You know, they play it so safe, they haven't made any mistakes like they taught in school, that means they don't learn anything. That's why the school system is actually fundamentally corrupt. It's anti-education. So what I say to young people is you, you find your game. So my game financially 
is business, number one. Second is real estate. And that's why I pay no taxes. That's why Trump pays no taxes. Legally, it's a combination of business and real estate that gives us an unfair advantage over employees because they don't know what to do. A lot of people would rather sit in the stands than be in the game. One of the greatest ways to acquire great wealth is playing Monopoly in real life. Four greenhouses, one red hotel. But is that all there is? That's it. Robert, if I could give you uh, some kind of a magic phone and you could make a call to the 20-year-old Robert Kiyosaki and give that young man a bit of advice, what would you tell him? I would just say keep going. Just do what you have to do. Just you know, live it to the fullest, though. which I did. Nothing I ever did made sense. Now, could you imagine quitting a $120,000 a year job for $200 a month to go fight in Vietnam and almost die? It, it didn't make sense, but it was the best decision I made at that time. And I think what most people do is they let their parents or their friends talk them out of life. So afraid of failing, but failing is how we succeed. You look at the, you guys look at guys like Edison and all that. They failed like 10,000, no, 1,014 times before he invented the light bulb. You know, our schools punish you for making mistakes. That's why we have so many people who are so afraid of admitting they make mistakes or afraid of failing. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet, the new Evolution Radio Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.